Hello and welcome to Bucketless Board Gamers, the podcast where board gamers come together to talk about board games. In this episode, we are going to medieval France once again, sampling the wine, trading along the river, and exploring the silver mines, and generally just seeking out the wisdom of the people that we're coming across. My panel today are the rule-breaking Craig Smith. Hello. And the goddamn sheep tile that just won't turn up that is Matthew Wilson. That's me. Hello. Sorry, I just, I, I think I just need to do a clean version for the editors. Let me do that again. And the f***ing sheep tile that just won't show up, <laughs> Matthew Wilson. Um, that's me. Hello. <laughs> And I am your host, Luke Pickles, the unnecessary but beautiful upgrade you just have to have. Today's game is a Steffenfeld classic, The Castles of Burgundy. Originally released in 2011 and then re-released in 2019 and 2023, players will take on the roles of the aristocrats building... almost said aristocrats there, and that would have been a problem. Aristocrats building the different settlement tiles into their own duchies, such as animals, ships, beige buildings and castles. Players will gain these tiles over five phases, they each take five rounds, scoring points for filling in their region, placing animals and those beige tiles. The tiles come by way of dice, taken from numbered depots and placing them into a region of a matching number. There is a lot of variety in this game, with the randomness coming from the tiles that are drawn out of bags, and, well, the luck of the dice. But you do have a whole bunch of different duchy boards that you can play with, a few expansions, and some ways that you can mitigate the dice. And I think with this, it is very much easy to play, but difficult to master. Gentlemen, what do we think of the Castles of Burgundy? Yeah, it's pretty good. That, I mean, that's mo that's mostly my reaction. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> I feel like we, our other panelists may have a slightly um, more intense reaction to, to this game. Craig, what do you think? Uh, I think Castles of Burgundy is... I don't like to throw around the word masterpiece too much. Okay, well, in which case, we'll move on um, <laughs> and get on with our day. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. No, go on. Um, it, it's just got everything that I enjoy in the board game. It's got difficult decisions. It's got the ability to kind of mould and change your plans as the game is going along. Because there are some games that do have a tendency to kind of make you go down one particular route, whereas Castles of Burgundy ends up being this, you know, especially at the start of every round where you've got limit, well, almost limitless options. It is just a really good game. I'm really glad that I discovered it after the um, the most recent collector's edition was released because I think I would be very poor right now if I'd have discovered it before because I probably would have gone all in because it is it is i only bought it a few months ago but it's probably already one of my favorite games wow that's high praise indeed it's it's an interesting one it's it's probably my most played game that i haven't played physically ever like i have played 60 odd games of it and they've all been on board game arena and it's just it's one of those games that i've just gone i don't think i actually need to play this in person personally i think with some of the, I've I've got to be honest. I think with some of the bigger board games, on board game arena, sometimes I don't think they translate that well. So the examples that always come to mind for me are games like Earth, Ark Nova, Obsession. I don't think they translate that well on BGA. I think the Castles of Burgundy version that's on BGA, they actually do a really good job, and mm. I do think you do get a sense because. My first experience of Castles of Burgundy was on BGA, and yeah. after I played it for the first time, I was like, I, I need this game in my life. It is so good. And 
because I am quite a basic person in the terms of I do buy a game based on its appearance rather than it was uh, it was one that didn't really strike me at first as being for me but it is a really good game and I'm starting to learn that you can't judge a, can't judge a game by its appearance because let's face it if you did, Stefan Feld would never sell a game. Uh, no, no, he would not. <laughs> well, this is this is the interesting question then. Did you play the game with the original artwork, the original 2011 artwork, or did you have the 2019 second edition reprint upgrade, make it look pretty version? It was the 2019 version, and okay. that's a, that's the version I've got at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. So the 2011 version. Yeah, it's it's not a looker, so is it? Dull. It's not so a looker. Dull. <laughs> so ugly. The two thousand nineteen the two thousand nineteen version is not much better. I mean the the newest version does look incredible, but hmm. the two thousand nineteen version's not much better. But I I think it probably gets a lot of flack. I, I, I don't think it's kind of it's not so ugly, like but yeah, the two thousand eleven version was not a looker at all. No, and I mean, I've, I've played games recently like Orleon and Teleton, which are both hideous to look at. Yeah. But they're really good games. Yeah. Like, they, they have, they put a lot of game into the, well, game, and just not as much into the art department. And that's fine. Like, it's, that's okay. It's much like this podcast. We put a lot into the game. The artwork is also there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. The artwork is beautifully provided for us by, um, insert name here, editor. Um. <laughs> no, we'll, it's we'll... really interesting though because I was watching um, a Dice Tone video a, it was a few weeks ago now and they were talking about I think it was Camilla, one of the one of the panellists and she said that in her opinion there's no excuse for making ugly games anymore mm. um, and I kind of agree with her, like I think you know, obviously when Castles of Burgundy was done in 2011 games were you know the functionality the mechanisms that was the important thing i do kind of think that if you are in 2023 and you're making an ugly game then you're it's a bit of a hard sell yeah i just look at we let's throw back to one of our previous episodes flamecraft flamecraft is a beautiful game like it is there is no doubt that it's it's a gorgeous game and it is absolutely fantastic the gameplay i think the gameplay in flamecraft is solid yeah, I think it's a great. it's a really solid game. It's very pretty. It helps, but there's been a trend recently, and I've I've talked about this before elsewhere, uh, where you can elsewhere where you can find me on the equip button, other things uh, that you can. I think second editions of games now are deliberately being made prettier because yeah. they need to elevate and they need to make themselves stand out. And I think a good example of that would be something like Great Western Trails. Yeah. The original box is grey, it's got three men standing at the front of it with their <laughs> cowboy hats on, looking slightly constipated. Yeah. Whereas the new box art has got a farmer, or a cowboy, and they're running their cows through a field whilst a train goes off in the distance. Yeah. And then you've got Great Western Tales Argentina, that looks really gritty as well, now that you've moved to Argentina. Um, and the New Zealand version looks really good as well. And I think second editions of games... Libertalia is another yeah. example. The original Libertalia, Pirates of the Caribbean, basically. Whereas the new Libertalia, with Windsor Girlcrest, looks fantastic. And I think it, there is a step up in artwork. And there is definitely a, 
an ongoing aspect of that. By the way, the artist that designed all the things for this podcast is Paul Bly. <laughs> I did remember him after going back <laughs> through my WhatsApps um, to make sure I got his name correct. So that's all good. Uh, Effie, what do you think of anything we've just discussed? Yeah, I was staying quiet. I didn't want to get in the way. You clearly got a lot of opinions on this game, and I share a lot of them, I think. I think Castles of Burgundy was a very good lesson to me on not judging a game by its box art. Mm. I remember the first time my friend Adam brought it over, just staring at the box and going, oh, I, I don't know about this one. And then it didn't get much better when you opened the box. Mm. But then pretty much like from round one, you realize just quite how good a game it is. And as Craig touched on, like there's so many different options. Manipulating your dice to do what you want feels great. When you get those mines going and you start to feel rich, like it's it's a very satisfying game. And it's a game where each game can feel a bit different as well. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. I... And I think I've reached a point, I've played it so much now, that I think I actually prefer the original art now. I think that's my go-to choice. Um, I found it really tricky to find a copy of the original print, but I did manage to find one eventually, but in Italian. So I have a German game set in France, written in Italian, and played in England. Because yeah. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> that's, that's our one political commentary that is going to be as sarcastic as all hell. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you, I mean, language is clearly not an issue for Stefan Feld games. He doesn't put language into the... I, mean, the, I was going to say into his cards. It's like, there's no cards in that game. Like, there's, no, there's nothing that needs any translation other than maybe a glossary to help you understand what the different tiles do. That's the thing that I struggled with when I first started playing it, was going, what the hell do all these things do? And that's probably why I gravitate to playing it on BGA more yeah. than I do getting it on the table. Because I know that if I get a tile out and I go, okay, this tile, does that give me money? Or does that give me workers? <laughs> or did that give me four points? I, uh, one second. <laughs> yeah, I think Damn the it. first the first five or six times I played it, I was confused by a lot of the, the beige tiles until someone else would take it and you go, wait, what does that one do? Oh, wait, what? I should have taken that ages ago. <laughs> yeah, I should have done that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, th yeah. the thing is, I think probably kind of like, it's not necessarily a criticism of the game, but I think some of those yellow tiles, they can be... They, they can be kind of game breakers if they come out early enough. Just an example is that um, my partner, who prefers Castles of Bur like he, for all I've kind of gushed about Castles of Burgundy, he would probably go a step further and say that he loves it more than I do. Well, he got probably. he got that he got that piercing, didn't he? Where he got yeah, 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 yeah. He got, um, yeah, he just got that one of the new castles just just on the nipple. <laughs> um, but we played it on BGA like a couple of weeks ago and he got the yellow tile that allows you to gain well it, it allows you to um change dice rolls by two instead of one every oh, time yeah. you play a worker good good tile there great tile but if you have it early on and then there's nothing that comes out after like at, around that time to kind of counteract that then the game's pretty much done <laughs> which yeah in, i think Plus he ended if up you've if you've stacked up a bunch of workers as well, you're like, there's no yeah. point in me rolling this dice. It's yeah. whatever I want. 
Well, that's it, because he was basically not having to purchase workers at all. And then there was me literally every turn, just kept rolling doubles, using to have at least one dice to buy workers. And I was like, well, this is a this is a this is a foregone conclusion already. And I think that is probably one of the games. Some of those yellow tiles, they can they can decide the outcome of the game before mm. it's even started. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting one to see how that can play out. And I guess there's there's almost an element of how those tiles could be balanced. Because I think there are there are some games where certain cards coming out, certain tiles coming out at different points will cause an, an element of imbalance. Like there is a variant on BGA for Wingspan that takes out the things like the Chihuahua Raven and those sorts of those potentially game-breaking animals that just go, oh, you put this in the egg row, and then you get pay an egg to get to food and that sort of thing it builds a really powerful engine if you get that early on you're done basically because it's just going to kill you um so maybe there needs to be a variation where you can shuffle them up a little bit or you restrict a certain tile not coming out in early rounds i don't know it's uh i've not i can't i I was about to say i've not played it enough i've played over i've played at least 60 games of it (laughs) like i i can i don't know if i know the right strategy of it yeah. In fact, I know, I know football, but I don't. Because I've only just realised, oh yeah, it's probably a good idea to try and get boats to get further ahead in the turn order. Which is something I really did not... Yeah. Thematically, I don't understand, but anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, my partner always focuses on the ships, and it always works out really well for them. Mm. Ships and mines, that tends to be the, the two. You get the mines early, you, get yeah. a, you position your castle so you can be next to a mine early on, you roll a five... Yeah. And you get the mine. Get you get the, the guaranteed mine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think part of the beauty of Castles of Burgundy as well is I remember teaching that for the first time. And one of the good things about it is that on your first attempt, you will always score points. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's one of them where there are some games where if you're teaching that to somebody for the first time, and it's a really hard slog for them to get points. And I think that kind of limits their enjoyment. Mm. With Castles of Burgundy, you can score points on pretty much every turn. And I think that makes it a more accessible learn as well. So, you know, the first time I played it, I scored over 100 points, which is obviously, you know, there's something quite nice about doing that complete lap of the board. And it's Mm. quite an easy thing to do. Whereas... I've played games before where it's, I think Junior Imperium is kind of like the classic example that I can think of right now, where it's just a race to be the first 10 points. Mm. And, you know, I'd be playing for a little bit and I'm like, right, so where's my first point going to come from? And that <laughs> yeah. can sometimes be quite a disheartening learn. Whereas with Castles of Burgundy, you're like, oh, you fi- you finished that region. Well, you're going to get points for that. And also you're going to get points for this. And you're going to, and it's, yeah, it just throws points at you. And I do find, that that makes it an easier game to learn. Absolutely. A point points salad is always going to be beneficial, I think. It's always going to be encouraging. You just go, oh, now I understand where I can get points from. I played Expeditions yesterday from you know, the new Stonemaier game, and it felt like it was a case of, okay, well, how am I going to get so that I can actually complete these objectives and do the things? In a five-player game of that, it was very difficult to figure it out, whereas a four-player game, I don't know if it you get when he goes up for the Castle of Burgundy, it was very much a case of, okay, I'm going to get something. Yeah. Even if I just get a collection of sheep. Yeah. Which is always nice. But that <laughs> is something, 
The animals, I mentioned this earlier on in the intro, the animals is something that is a, a high-risk strategy, I think, because there's no guarantee that that animal will come out. Yeah. Goddamn sheep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big old gamble, but it's very satisfying. The one time it does pay off. It's, yeah. it's happened to me a couple of times, but not yeah. many comparatively to how many games I've played. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you get the yellow tile that you get points for every different type of animal, and you're like, yes. right, well, I guess I'm going down that route now. But Yep, screw it. Fine. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah, that's the route I'm going down there. But yeah, I, I do enjoy the fact that the game does throw points at you, and I think it just makes it for a much easier learn because I, I've learned games before where I've just been thinking, I don't know where my first point's going to come from. So mm. to have that is yeah it just makes it so much better yeah i mean you have those games where people will say to you like oh by like your fourth or fifth game you'll sort of get the loop and know what's going on and that's not for everybody i think some of my favorite games of castles of burgundy were some of the first handfuls you start to just sort of learn where you can get your points from on your own and that that's always a satisfying way to play a game mm. yeah it's uh it's it certainly favoured itself quite highly in the in the list of board gamers, which is what is going to make what I'm about to say quite interesting. There are other variants of Castlevania. There's a card game and there is a dice game. Have either of you played those? I haven't. No, I have um denied about getting the dice one, but never actually committed to, to getting it. Because I'm aware they exist. I have no idea how they play comparatively, or how they will—they would even vaguely compare to it. I'd only—I'd imagine the dice game is probably like most roll and write versions of it. It's going to be you roll the dice and then you colour in grids and the hexes and such, and you just sort of go from there. The card game—I have sure. no idea how that's going to happen. No. If you know, please write in to an email address that this podcast probably has. <laughs> Or join our Facebook group and go and uh, comment on there and tell me why I'm an idiot for not knowing these things. But it's interesting. I I don't think I've ever seen the dice game or the card game in person being played at a convention. I've seen it in the Bring and Buy and have been tempted by it. Um, I think I saw it at the Aircon Bring and Buy in <laughs> March and I was tempted by it. But yeah, I think one of the things for me is if I've got a... like the main version of a game and mm -hmm. I enjoy that one enough there's no need for me to then go out and get a an iterate like a version of a game that's probably not going to be as strong or as enjoyable you know it's the same sort of thing for me with Rogers of the Ganges I it's again one of my favorite games um must just have a bit of a thing for dice manipulation games <laughs> so buying the dice charmers a roll like roll and write game. It, it, I just don't think I need it. There's, I just enjoy the the original games that much that I just don't think there's a need for me to have another version of it. That's fair. I mean, for me, it's kind of the other way around. In that I have a I have played a. Uh, we've apparently insulted Matthew enough. That he's just gone. left. He's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's had enough of. He's you insulted Rogers the Ganges the dice charmers and he's gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, he's back. I'm back. Say, I say, say, I say nice suddenly, things. <laughs> I suddenly realized this laptop wasn't actually plugged in and it was about to die, so I had to leap across the room, but don't Darn. worry, we're safe. It was quite a heroic leap. I can vouch for people that can only hear what's happening, where it was quite the heroic leap. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I sprained my ankle, but it's for the good of the podcast. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's, it's certainly for our benefit. It's for your benefit. And he risked life and limb by jumping across the room with wet hair to plug in something electrical. So <laughs> we're going to have to live with the consequences of that one. But anyway, as I was saying, like there are there are certainly roll and write or flip and write versions of a game that I much prefer than the big physical version. Isle of Cats is the classic example. I yeah. think the explore and draw version is a much better game than the big box version. I've I've heard that said many times as well i've i i you know i think um there's been i've, I've heard conversations saying that the explore and draw version of that is much better well it's kind of it, it, it's kind of killed the original version to the point where people have actually kind of parted ways and you're just kind of nodding in agreement i'm taking it that that's the yeah. case for yourself as well, well. I, d- I didn't i didn't ever part ways with it because i'd never bought it but i don't right. ever ne- i've only again i played i played it digitally i have played it a couple of times physically but i don't have a need to buy it, whereas I did buy the Explore and Draw. I bought that secondhand from someone who was selling it in the Bring and Buy for like 15 quid. And I was just like, well, this is perfect, because yeah. this is a great little rock and ride game. And it just, it works. It takes out the the fiddliness of the fish market and having to manage the fish and the drafting. And it just boils it down to a polyominal game. Yeah where you have your choices, you can select these things, you can tick off the lessons, you can you have a polyomino selection. And that just makes life it makes it much more satisfying to play with. But anyway, that's that's our diversion game for today. <laughs> um, you you mentioned Greg about the big shiny version that's just been released. And as we say we've sort of talked a little bit about art. What do we think of the newest version and all iterations thereof of it because i know that there were like seven different pledges pledge levels that you could do yeah do all sorts of things from like the 3d castles and all sorts of things tell me what you think about those i i mean it's a bit much isn't it and i (laughs) i think um i mean i'm saying that you know, I know what I said earlier on that I'd have probably gone all in if I'd have been exposed to Castles of Burgundy before that. Mm-hmm. Um, that had been kind of that's probably the case, but I, yeah, I think there's kind of like an elegant simplicity to the original mm-hmm. game where it doesn't need all of that kind of pizzazz and all that showiness and stuff like that. Um, but I am, as I mentioned earlier, a glutton for aesthetics, so I would 100% have gone all in so yeah it's just an elegance like an elegant simplicity with the original game that you know like it's quite nice having those big castles and you know the player boards just look a lot neater and but at the at the end of the game it's it, sorry at the end of the day it's still the core thing of you've got a player mat that has different dice markers on mm-hmm. and there's only so much you can improve the look of something like that you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's still going to be a grid of different dice, and you know, it's going to—it's not going to be an incredible-looking thing. You know, it's not going to kind of like stack up to the likes of Meadow, Wingspan, Flamecrafting mm-hmm. in aesthetics. It, but it looks better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am a—I have been a sucker for a big 3D printed version of a game in the past. Terraforming Mars is the. Like, I have the big 3D printed version of that. We talked about that in our Terraforming Mars episode, which may or may not have come out before this episode. 
If it hasn't, spoiler alert, that is coming up. If it has come out, I hope you listen to it. Jay in the editing room here. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but the terraforming Mars episode is now affectionately known as the lost episode amongst the BLG team. Due to a technical problem during recording, part of the audio wasn't picked up and unfortunately we couldn't salvage it. We do have it penciled in for a re-recording though, so if you're a big TM fan bear with us, it'll be along eventually. But it's, yeah, I, I got suckered in for that. And, but the problem is that like, Terraforming Mars, that does lift the game. Yeah. Because it's not a, it's not necessarily the nicest game to look at, um, but it's the tiles were at least functional, because yeah. they've got a little spot that you can just put your cubes into, which makes it nice and it makes it a lot easier for you to sort of see what's what's happening. In Castles of Burgundy, I feel like different shape building tiles are going to get confusing very quickly, um, but I do appreciate a double layer board. And yeah. I appreciate a overlay to stop your tiles sliding around. I do appreciate that being a thing that has that has come out of the uh, the new 3D box. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think the it, it's it, you know with Castles of Burgundy, it's kind of like the you know with the original version of Terraforming Mars. You know, mm. if you just knock your player map once and all your play place pieces are gone all over the place, it's just yeah. a bit of a a nightmare so yeah i completely agree with you on that easier if you do just want to flip it in anger though ah 100 percent. it is but it's also quite satisfying to flip over something that is big and chunky and will actually you know bounce <laughs> around and potentially cause someone to injure their foot so they step on it <laughs> do you have any thoughts on the the big 3d version matthew i guess you uh, being a purist and having gone to the original <laughs> parts <laughs> Yeah, I'm sticking with my classic one. It took me long enough to find that. Yeah, that 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 hideous purple box to start oh. off with is just the castle. Ah, <laughs> oh, that that artwork. It it doesn't it. <laughs> theme wise, it is. It sounds like such a dull game. Yeah, I yeah. think it also just looks like it should be so much older than 2011. Yeah, it looks. It has the same artwork as like. The same styling as like the original Settlers of Catan or the original yeah. Carcassonne. Like yeah. that art style was like 10, 15, 20 years earlier. Yeah. And yet it just But they they've obviously done something quite significant with it. They the outside of the new big box is very, very beautiful. Yeah. Um it's still not going to push it over the edge for me to get a sale of it. But that's because a friend of mine bought it. I probably wasn't ever going to buy it anyway, but a friend of mine has bought it, so I really don't have to, so it's fine. My board game husband's got it. It's not a problem. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing. I mean, arts, art, we've, yeah, we said this, arts and games, there's no excuse really not to have a pretty game. Have you seen the, the I mean, I've, I've looked at the artwork for the, the City Collection, which was kind of like re-implementations of old Steffenfeld games, so... Oh yeah, Copenhagen and Amsterdam and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so, yeah, Bruges has become Hamburg and Rialto has become New York City, and I think Marrakesh of those is the new, new game. Yes. But even, ha I just had a look at the board on Hamburg and New York City, and I'm like, Stefan... What 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 we not what we not getting here? What are we not learning? Graphic um, designer. That's graphic. what he's not getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are still ugly games, um, and they're about a hundred pound a pop on top of that. But like, I, yeah, I just 
you know, we, we say that there isn't a place, you know, for ugly board games, but he is still one of the most popular designers, and mm. maybe some people just aren't as hung up on those kinds of details as what as what I am for sure. No, and I mean, there's there's definitely games out there that still do quite well with their original art. Bonanza is a is a yeah. great example. The twenty five edition, twenty fifth anniversary edition of that has exactly the same artwork, except it's just slightly bigger. <laughs> as far as I can work out. I've never played Bonanza. I've seen some of the cards. I've been recommended to play Bonanza and to, to give that a go. But as far as I can work out, it's the same artwork as it was 25 years ago. And some people are fine with that. Some games yeah. don't, don't necessarily need it. And I think that's the moral of today's story is that if your game is good enough, we don't care what it looks like. But make it good enough for us to buy it in the first place, <laughs> because that's what's going to draw us in. Um, or at the very least, give a copy to a local board game library so that they can, uh, or board game cafe, so that they can play it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think know. that's a good moral. I think that's a good moral to end on there. That is. Yeah, in the heart of it all, kids, and I am looking directly into the camera. Even though you're listening to this, board games can be beautiful. They can be ugly as sin, and if they are ugly as sin. You give them a go anyway. Try an ugly board game today. <laughs> powerful, powerful. Yeah, I, I, I was moved there. Like, yeah, yeah. When does podcast award season start? Because I feel like that's yeah. That's... Well, we're making an early push for the Golden Geek. Uh, yeah. This game is broken and has won it now, so we've got rid of the main competition. Um, <laughs> so we're in, we're in with the shot. Um, no, it's not. Um, so, all right, if there's nothing else, then we are going to bring us to the end of the game and take a look at the scores and record them into board game stats. What do we give the Castles of Burgundy, gentlemen? Um, I think I'd probably go for a nine out of ten for me. Wow. I think it is just that. It is just a really good game. Um, and it is really good, you know. There's the dice manipulation and the fact that, like we've already said, no two games feel the same. So, it's a definite nine for me. Potentially, it could be a nine and a half. I, I would be quite interested to if somebody's got a um, copy of the collector's edition and they're based in the West Midlands. Hi, Midland Meeple on Instagram. Hit me up. Hold on a minute. I'll bring you sorry, to, I'll sorry, that bit sorry. in a minute. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know sorry. you haven't filled with me before, Craig, but god damn it, let me get through my scripts. <laughs> Jay, cut that cut that out. Yeah. Edit, cut cut him out of the show. Take him down. <laughs> Matthew? Um I'd say an eight point five for me. Um it's definitely a game that gets a lot of play in my house. And then outside of my house as well, it's one that's quite popular in my group of friends. I feel like some of the issues we've brought up around those beige tiles is maybe stopping it going any higher for me. But it is a very, very solid game, despite looking very, very dry. <laughs> and you bought the driest version of them all. Yeah. Yeah. I just, maybe I've just got Stockholm Syndrome because I've just <laughs> been staring at it for so long now. But I've I've embraced the dryness of it. I think Stockholm is another one of the Steppenfeld games in that series. I'm not sure out <laughs> I am probably going to sound like a right b after you, you guys. I... Leave that out, please, Jay. No, that's fine. Uh, 
We can get a bar. We can get away with a bastard or two. As apparently, I've just put the second one in. I think I'm probably at a six and a half. You bastard. Oh. I know. I, oh. I, I I used up our bastard quota. Just bleep my one. That whole sentence will just bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I do like it. I'm happy to play it on Board Game Arena. I'm not itching to get it to the table. Possibly because it is so easy for me to play on BGA. Because I can just set up a game and I can hover my mouse over a tile and go, okay, this is what it is. And I know what I'm doing with the tile and I can make an informed decision that way. A lot easier than I suspect. I'd have to spend the entire time going, Okay, and that does. Okay. Uh, right, this page of the glossary. Yep. And that one. Yep. Uh, why are the castles red? Yeah, that's. It will just spend my time going. Yeah, I, that will probably throw it off for me playing it physically. I will do eventually because my friend just bought it, so I have to uh, play it with him because I play the dry euros with him. It's more likely that I'll do that than his wife. The sacrifices we make. So yeah, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna six and a half. I think for me personally, I don't know. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe one of the expansions. We didn't really touch on those at all, um, and I don't know if either of you have played any of them. But I know there's. They are very difficult to find in some aspects. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never played them. No. So uh, we'll have to. Maybe there'll be a part two on this after we played some expansions. We found some more in there. Who knows? But for now, that's that's where I'm sitting. Six and a half. I think I have decided, and I am king of the podcast, so that's where my last word is. Until this next bit that I have to say to get through. And it, so after all that, it is time to put the lid back onto the box and say thank you to our panel, and for them to tell you where they can find you. Craig, you can wait your turn. Matthew? <laughs> uh, you can find me in my house. It's raining. I don't really want to go out. That is, yeah, if you, <laughs> if you, if you live in Britain and it's raining by one particular house... Matthew's house. That's the one. Get him. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> His door's not even locked. No, he just ran no. straight in. <laughs> Craig, go on. Uh, yeah, so you can find me at the Midland Meeple on Instagram. If you are based in the West Midlands and you want to play a game, just hit me up. Like, I'm always up for playing anything, but if you, especially if you've got the collector's edition of Castles of Burgundy. Yeah, and I have been Luke Pickles. I am Game Master for Eat, Crit, and Survive, which may now have changed its name if I've gotten around to it, uh, to the Game Emporium, uh, where friends and I play board games, D&D, and generally we just chit-chat about board games. Uh, I'm also known as Mr. Imp, spelt L-M-P, on various things. There's a reason it's pronounced Imp, and that's because people reading it on Twitch read an L as an I. So that's how I've become known to be, so that's just how I am. Um, until next time, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the Bucket List Board Gamers. Goodbye! Ha, 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 ha.